Hello and welcome to the Porty Podcast. I'm Hazel and it's good to be back. This week I'm going to play you a conversation that I had with Anna Liebman, who's a local basket weaver, and I went to speak to her in her studio by the sea and I braved being whacked by Willow as she wove a pea cone or plant support to show me how it was done. We spoke about her life, her work and basket weaving and growing willow in general. I really hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Um, I'm making a plant support, or as I like to call them, pea cones. It's for like sweet peas, or peas, I suppose. So I'm just putting really big sticks in, which are not bendy. Been cut to five foot and then putting them into my bit of plywood that I've drilled holes in to keep it all in place. So there's a lot of basket making is kind of holding things in place until you've done the weaving and once the weaving is in place then the shape is consolidated and kind of held. So there's all kinds of like aids I guess to kind of like make that happen. Um, and then here I've got um, willow that's been soaked and I've got a mixture of I've got a little bit of willow that's come from Somerset which is where the kind of remaining commercial willow growing farms are. There's a few small scale growers in Scotland but you know mostly they get kind of hooked up with local basket makers which is like how it should be. This and this is willow that comes from my willow patch which is uh, currently still in South Lanarkshire which is where I lived before I moved to Portobello about god it might be like 10 years ago which sounds a bit <laughs> I don't know like a bit scary. That's kind of how I got into making baskets through growing the willow and being involved in the harvesting. And this was actually, it was a willow patch that was Lisa's in the first place. And she had approached the place and said, it's called Talaf and it's a, a housing co-op and an intentional community. And she'd said, I really want these particular kinds of willow because they've got like a beautiful bark colour. And these things will be lost on listeners because uh, you, can, you can see how shiny it is and feel it and you could... Could probably smell it as well. Yeah, it can. smells amazing. <laughs> um, these are the things that you get. You know, the varieties that you get if you grow it yourself. You can obviously grow whatever you like. The varieties that are grown more commercially are kind of maybe more uniform or more like rubbery to sort of work with, but they don't have such special bark colours. Anytime I've tried to grow any of those varieties, the deer have just been like they've lawn mowered down the rows. Quite excitingly, I'm also involved in planting a new willow bed and patch at Lauriston Farm. So I just put a thousand cuttings in to Edinburgh Agroecology Co-op. Now they're gonna have a harvest festival in September and I'm gonna go a couple of weeks before with some big hoops, like those big circles over there. They're made of thick willow and they're kind of about 16 inches across. And that comes the basis for like a large, like a frame basket. And I should be able to weave that kind of with different groups that come in for the day. And then they'll have them at the farm for the produce that they make there. And anyway, so like already, you know, I'm sort of involved in like a really interesting project that's doing lots of things that I believe in. So hopefully like over the next few years, my willow growing will kind of shift from being in Lanarkshire to being actually in Edinburgh. So, and then people will be able to get baskets that were grown and woven in Edinburgh. It's so lovely to hear that, yeah. And the way that you got into it by growing it, like from the roots, from the beginning, rather than looking at the end product and then working your way back, it was was the other way in. Yeah, it definitely was. You know, if you have to write artist statements or little biographies and it's kind of like, 
Hmm. What I was really inspired by was the fact I could make something and the only fossil fuels involved were like the production of the secateurs and the chocolate that I ate whilst I harvested the willow. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the fact that the things are so useful. And beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. colours of all these willows yeah. are gorgeous and the baskets that I'm seeing around in the workshop, really special. Oh, it must be so satisfying you. to make something like that, to have the skills. Yeah. I think, yeah, what I find the most satisfying, what I, what I really like about the plant supports is that it's always fairly local people and gardeners. It's harder for me with like the larger baskets because somehow there's something in the British psyche that really relegates baskets to being cheap and functional. I don't know what it is. Like in America, they'll pay like hundreds of dollars because it's like a handmade woven willow thing. But I just don't think that there's many, there's a couple of basket makers in Britain that can kind of command or sustain or somehow get those prices. But like, yeah, it's very difficult to get the, you know, like an hourly rate on a kind of functional basket. But I've done some really nice repair jobs actually this year with just really beautiful stories behind them as well. It sort of just brings to light how, how long they do last and the stories are just like really touching. Shall I tell you one? Do you yeah. Want to with something? So this couple, older couple from Glasgow, I'm just gonna twist these rods. Yeah. And then loop them around here to get the weave going. There's this moment when it goes, when it sort of cracks. Oh yeah. You get that? I think that'll come up on a recording. Yeah. That's what you do when you make the handles for the like, baskets and stuff. Anyway, so this couple came to me and they had this Moses basket and they were expecting their first grandchild and the man's sister had got in touch and said, Oh, you're expecting your first grandchild? I've still got the baby basket that was ours when we were you know, tiny. The sister had emigrated to Australia and taken the basket with her and then moved to the States and taken the basket with her. So they then shipped this basket back from the States. The basket has like originated in Ireland and then they brought it to me and I fixed it. And um, yeah, and the, and, the, and the man didn't, didn't actually know that the basket, you know, still existed and he had been in it. Like, you know, all the babies had been in it. And so, you know, they were overjoyed to get it back, overjoyed that I could fix it. And now like their granddaughter was in it. And it was just, you know, <laughs> it's just nice. Release. Yeah. So uh, I'm just starting this weave. It's called pairing. I've got like a bundle of rods. Each stroke you do locks the previous one in place, which makes it quite strong. Actually soaking the willow. So this, you know, this is willow that's dried out. Yeah, the kind of art of soaking is like, it, it probably is a science, but there's so many variables, like the yeah. water temperature, the variety of willow. I've got a kettle trough now, but I used to just have like an old bathtub. Yeah. To take it out and be like, so, I read in the book, it should take five days and you take the willow out. And you're like, mm, not at all bendy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, I think it took me about a year to sort of like learn basically how to make a basket and then maybe another year to actually learn how to soak you know how to prepare the materials and you do a lot of teaching now don't you yeah and before lockdown i was doing like loads of teaching like too much teaching i would say and you know all the all the courses kind of fell like flies and then it was only at that point i actually realized how much admin they were on the days that i wasn't teaching 
probably my favourite group that I was uh, place that I was teaching at. Was the, they've changed their name, but it's called like it was Leith Community Crops and Pots. Oh yeah, and yeah, Earth in Common, I think yeah. they called them. And so they were the only group, as everything else just got emailed and was just like, cancelling, everything's cancelling, everything's cancelling, and there was a little email thing saying, so, how can we make it work? And it was just, you know, one of those moments, it was, oh, it's so nice. So I did, I did do one, yeah, like online teaching course. We did these, we did plant supports, because it was like June, and it was, oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it's good to say that I did it and then I was quite happy to like not do it again. <laughs> I had got this thing, like a head torch thing for my phone so that it could be like a camera looking down at my hands so that people could see a close up of my hands. You know, what I should have done is got one of those cameras that like mountings that goes on your chest because then I couldn't turn my head to look at the screen. <laughs> so I couldn't look at the few students that I could look at, even though I couldn't see what they were doing anyway. And I we learn. Yeah. And so then I was like, Do you know what, I'm just going to focus on, uh, you know, what I did is, like, you know, I invited people in ones and twos as lockdown eased kind of to the to the workshop here, which was good in a way for me because I had kind of wanted to do that but just didn't have the confidence to be like oh mm. you know come to my studio and in the long run that's been a really good thing because yeah. I really enjoyed having people here and obviously it's near the sea and it's great and a lot I mean it's interesting as well because a lot of basket makers and there's a lot of me that feels feels a bit like what what am I doing living in the city because I could always use more, more space for like storing but in terms of teaching there's not that many basket makers that live in cities and it does mean that people can come you know from Glasgow, Dundee, Aberdeen etc because they can get the train down here and get the bus. I've got one student who comes over from Glasgow because there isn't anyone in Glasgow working as a basket maker. Well he will be but you know yeah. in the long run. I've got one more question so like oh, yeah. what do you what kind of mindset do you get in when you're weaving? Mm. It really depends quite a lot what you're making and how familiar you are with it. So people come along and they kind of go, oh, I must be quite meditative making it. I don't find that unless I've literally made the thing uh, and I'm not in a hurry. If you're familiar with it and you're not having to make decisions, and I hate making decisions in like any area of life. <laughs> so if I'm making a basket and I, I've got the, the willow is all there, you know, I've prepared it all and I know that it's going to be eight inches high at this point and I've got it all set up and it's not difficult and new. Because often if you're doing something, you know, shaping a basket in an odd way, you really have to concentrate. You know, at that point, it can be quite meditative. And I've actually got a job coming up next week where I'm making some planters. And they're just going to be these really big cylinders. And so you could think you're going to get bored, but I won't. I'll just like it. It will be quite sort of in the zone. It's probably quite a personal question. Mm. <laughs> I like to imagine you here in your studio by the sea. Yeah. Just totally blissed yeah. out making <laughs> baskets. I think, yeah, it really depends because they're quite like baskets, like glove baskets and laundry baskets. Even like the arm baskets that I make, they're physically quite challenging and you're doing, you're in a different position kind of all the time. So you can see that I'm kind of like sitting quite low to the floor, which you kind of have to do because there's no table big enough to accommodate spreading all the willow out. It'll just fall off. And your hands. 
They've always got bits of sticky tape on them. <laughs> got bits of sticky tape yeah. just to protect them. Yeah, or if I just get like little scuffs, yeah. or sometimes I get just get little splits like that. Mm. So you know, it's kind of no big deal, but they'll get sore if I don't put something on them. Yeah. I do often feel like I'm in a hurry, and that doesn't sort of lend itself to like being sort of zen out. And I think some of that. You know, when the kids were at primary school and you had to be at the school gate and stuff, that's like a real kind of, you know, have to be there. Although I do also quite like working in the evening for the same thing because there isn't like an end time. So that actually is more relaxing. I was actually in the workshop till midnight last week at one day because I was just like, I'm doing Starbridge work at the weekend. I've got to have all these things ready. So the window is like wide open to try and get the air through and it was... Yeah, I was appreciating listening to the waves. That's good. Thank you so much for speaking to me. <laughs> that was lovely. Thank you. I have included a link to Anna's website in our show notes, and I thoroughly recommend that you go on and have a look at her work and her baskets and keep in touch with what she's doing. Maybe you want to go along to a course at some point. The Porty Podcast is actually going to take a wee break now over summer while I look after my children and David looks after his health. So it's a good opportunity just to thank everyone so much for listening. It's really exciting to us that this is a community podcast with so many different voices involved. We will be back. And until then, we hope you have a wonderful summer. <laughs>